Hey listeners, thanks for dropping in. I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. glad that you guys are hanging out with us today and we're so excited that you guys checked us out last week thank you to everyone who's been listening to us we have to do a shout out because we even had listeners in switzerland and germany so thanks guys we appreciate you so keep listening and tell your friends all right today we're going to talk about the school shooting that took place in connecticut in 2012 at sandy hook elementary And at the time of the shooting, it's one of the deadliest school shootings to have ever taken place in North America. Oh, no. This is going to be a heavy case. School shootings are never nice to talk about. What made this school shooting even more tragic to me was that the majority of the victims were first graders. So only six and seven year olds. First graders. Why? Why did he target little grade ones? Well, we're going to dig into it, but I don't think you're going to like the answer. Oh, yuck. So I'll also be digging deep into the extensive history of mental illnesses, and it's a long list from depression, anxiety, Asperger's, and OCD. And while these disorders might have contributed to Adam Lanza's personality, they're not the sole reason that Adam shot 27 people. Studies have actually shown that most factors behind school shootings include like family dysfunction, lack of family supervision, ready access to firearms, and mental illness. Yeah, and I think that you'll see some of those come out today. Yeah, it's likely a combination of these reasons. I would think. Oh, I think so. That's crazy. What I think is craziest of all about this school shooting is the conspiracy theories that revolve around this case. There are some that actually believe that it never occurred. What? I know. Crazy, right? That Okay. That's just, that's crazy to me. Like, go tell it to the families who lost their children. Yeah. And there's actually been lawsuits filed by the victims' families to try and get people to stop saying that it's a hoax. Yeah. Don't be a dirtbag and say it's a hoax. Yeah. We'll get into it. It's pretty Ugh. interesting. Okay, well, before you get like right into the case, um, when you told me that you were doing a school shooting, I decided to look up a few stats and stuff like that and just look into it a little bit more. And I found a really good report that CNN did. They did a 10-year report from 2009 to 2019 in the United States. Is it okay if I just share a little bit of what I learned? Yeah. Okay, awesome. So what they had reported, at least 180 shootings had occurred at K-12 schools during that 10-year span. And it was more likely to occur at a white suburban school. And white schools also claimed more victims. The most common time for a school shooting is Friday afternoons. Oh, so they've been through the whole week and they're just done. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. They're done by the end of the week. Some experts in the report had said that school shootings were partly due to children being isolated, playing video games, being glued to their electronics, and that kids don't learn problem solvings and conflict resolutions or coping skills like they should be. Well, interestingly, a lot of the victims' families go on to form foundations that actually address those issues. Oh, that's great, because they also had said that as more of them occur, the more it is seen by children as an acceptable way to settle grievances. And so that's why the numbers are rising drastically. So sad. Yeah. And then another interesting fact was that the USA is definitely in a crisis when it comes to this. They have 57 times more school shootings than other major industrialized nations combined. So like the G7. That is crazy. Yep. So since 2009, including the colleges, the U.S. has had 288 school shootings. 
in that 10 year period. In that 10 year, yeah, up to 2019. Wow. 288. Canada and France had two each, and Germany just one. And the other ones, part of the G7, like Japan, Italy, and UK, had zero. That is a big difference. Definitely. So this is definitely most widespread in the US. Interesting. What is going down down there? I don't know. Let us know, our US listeners. Okay, so let's get into Adam Lanza's life. Adam Peter Lanza was born in New Hampshire on April 22nd, 1992, to Peter and Nancy Lanza. Peter Lanza and Nancy were married on June 6, 1981, and they had two children. Ryan was Adam's older brother by four years. As an infant and toddler, Adam was a difficult baby that never slept and was a handful. He didn't like to be touched, he had severe temper tantrums, and everyone but his mother found it hard to understand him. There are some reports of seizure activity, and actually, at eight days old, Adam had been readmitted to the hospital following an apneic episode. So I thought this was interesting because we're always looking back in like murderers' histories to see if there was any brain trauma or injury that might explain something different going on in their brain. Right. And so he did actually have some seizure activity and he had this spell where he had stopped breathing. Oh my gosh, how scary. It would be so scary as a parent. But interesting that there's signs of something going on right from baby. Yeah, right from the very beginning, he was just a different kid. In late 1994, Adam had an assessment done in New Hampshire. There was significant impairment noted. So he was nonverbal at the age of three. Oh. He had created his own language that nobody but his mom could understand. He fell well below the expectations in social personal development. He had significant delayed development in articulation and expressive language. Because of this assessment, in preschool, he received speech therapy and occupational therapy as a part of an individualized education plan. This plan was removed in kindergarten because the teachers argued that, yeah, he had some language difficulties, but really they weren't interfering with his learning. He's quirky, oh, but he's smart. Oh, so his parents had really tried to get him the help set up that he needed until but, he got to school and they said, nah, he doesn't need that. Well, I think what they start to see or the teachers start to recognize is that he is having difficulty socially. Okay. But school is a social thing. So well, it's interesting that they said he didn't need that help anymore. Our whole world is a social thing. That's true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So throughout 1997, Adam had multiple neurological and psychosocial assessments done to best assess how to meet his learning needs. His parents actually paid for an independent study to have the educational supports that had previously been removed put back in place. Oh, so his parents had to like actually fight to say like, no, this is not okay. Like he's still not doing well. So even though his marks are okay, he's still not doing well in school or not coping well. Right. Well, good for his parents for yeah. fighting for him. These early assessments, so these ones done in 1997, revealed that Adam had many rituals and behavior. There is a dramatic discrepancy between expressive and receptive language. So with receptive language, I would be able to understand you when you told me in this next picture, wink. <laughs> but when I try and tell you I can't wink, I may not be able to get my point across. <laughs> Okay, I have to tell everybody, when Melissa says that she can't wink, <laughs> believe her. I tried to get her to wink, and I was like, what do you mean you can't wink? You can wink, so she winked, and <laughs> no. It's like her face goes into this weird spasm. 
I can't I'll work wink. on it, listeners. I got to teach this girl how to wink. <laughs> I can't wink at all. Can't all be pros like me, I guess. <laughs> That's right. So expressive language then is that I might be missing eye contact or facial expression that would help me get my point across or that I might not even know the word for wink. And I might even use gestures that might seem inappropriate. Oh, okay. <laughs> like when you asked me to wink. <laughs> I wish we, I wish this was video. <laughs> you guys could see Melissa try to wink. All right. So that was a huge issue for Adam to deal with. He could understand what people were asking him to do, but he couldn't express back to them. Yeah, that would be really frustrating for him too. So he really struggled to make his needs known. He had difficulty with auditory memory and processing. He had inconsistent eye contact, scattered motor skills. And although he showed several strengths that compensated for his developmental challenges... So he was coping in his own little way. He was still struggling. Okay. So from this evaluation, it was proposed that Adam had a sensory integration disorder. They recommended significant speech and language support and, again, occupational therapy for the sensory integration. So, okay. again, he starts on this individualized education plan. Okay. In 1998, the family moved to the Sandy Hook section of Newtown, Connecticut. And this is where Adam would reside until the school shooting. Newtown is in Fairfield County, Connecticut, about 100 kilometers from New York City. Violent crime had been rare in this town, and there was only one homicide in the town in the 10 years before the school shooting. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this kind of rocked this little town. Oh, that would have been so shocking. I mean, it's shocking anyways, but when it's such a quiet little town. Well, it's not an area known for violence at all. Interestingly, it's actually an area known for their school systems. Mm. Excellent school systems. So people had actually moved into this area to go to these schools. Okay. In the fall of 1998, at the age of six, Adam started grade one at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Oh, okay. So he starts right from the beginning there. That's right. So Sandy Hook was his school. Okay. From grade one to three, Adam continues to have difficulty expressing himself and interacting in social situations, but the family finds ways to cope. He has birthday parties with other children and Nancy attends the school regularly as a volunteer to help him regulate himself and to complete his work. Okay. And Nancy's his mom. That's right. Okay. In grade four, his individualized education plan is removed again. What? Why? Yeah. He's deemed to have met all of his speech goals and no longer oh. requires special education. This is frustrating. Did his parents feel that way or this was just the school? Well, I don't know. It doesn't say. It just says that he no longer required special education. Okay. Interestingly, there's no mention of any of his social deficits. On that report? On that report, yes. They say he met his speech goals. He's able to express himself a little bit better. They've given him some tools to express himself to other classmates and to teachers. But none of the other social deficits, like that sensory integration processing, mm -hmm. they haven't addressed it. Or they don't mention it at all when they discontinue his special education. Because the school's feeling like it doesn't apply to his education? That's the general idea that I took is that he was learning. Okay. Again, same kind of thing in kindergarten. He, right. His actual academics were fine. Okay. In 2002, Adam began the fifth grade. And it's in the fifth grade that Adam and another student co-author The Big Book of Granny. A lengthy writing assignment described as containing intense violence beyond what most children would actually know to invent. What? So yeah. him and a friend wrote this during school yeah. for an assignment? For an assignment. Because we all, like grade five, we all had to write stories. I remember doing that. That's right. You laminated the pages and then they coil bound it. Yeah. So ours, this, were, ours was a little different, but yeah. That's what they did. And so in this book, the granny has a cane that at the end of it is a gun. <gasps> and she goes and she shoots children. She calls what? it Granny's Clubhouse of Happy Children. And with her son, 
Bobalicious, they... Bobalicious? Isn't that Bobalicious the Explorer? <laughs> no, Tara the Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> they go and they like lure children in and they kill them. Hmm. In this, this is po- giving me like Hansel and Gretel vibes. Yeah, totally. It is kind of funny because we will like, that's an acceptable fairy tale to tell our kids or fable, Hansel and Gretel. That's a good point to make, actually. Right? Because it's the same kind of thing. It's an old lady who lures their kids in with candy and then cooks them and eats them. Which cannibalism is way more disturbing than actually shooting. But And kind of creative, like your cane to be a gun. Yeah. If I was a killer granny, I would do that. That's so disturbing. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, time to get back into it. So... The mental health professionals that were consulted after the shooting said that if someone had paid attention to this work, it would have indicated that Adam needed to be referred to mental health professionals. Oh, okay. So it's pretty gruesome then, this story. It is. And did they draw pictures and stuff too? Yep. It's full on pictures of, of granny blowing things up. It's a very disturbing book. There's actually, if you go online, there's pictures of this book that they created. Okay, I'm just looking it up. I want to see... But there's no evidence that there was any communication between his parents and the school about the book at all. And the communication was quite regular between Nancy and the teachers. She was quite actively involved in his education. And there's no record of communication about this particular book. Hmm, That's interesting. And it's not like it was never turned in because it was the spiral bound book that an adult would have had to help them with. Oh, okay. But oh, the big book of granny. Isn't that so disturbing? It is really disturbing because you can tell it's done by, by a kid, like kids drawing and, and writing. And he did this with a friend. Like it was he a did, joint effort. That's right. He did this with a friend. And interestingly, that student is actually living in a mental health facility. Really? Yeah. So at the time of the investigation of the shooting, I don't know if he still is now, but he was living in a mental health institution. Like I said, with the Starkweather case, like it's so interesting to me how the stars align and put these types of people together. Well, what I was thinking was who wants to supervise that play date between those two kids? Ooh, yeah. Oh, so scary, right? Oh, dear. This oh. one is a doozy already. and We're not even into it. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, So it's oh, easy to sure. look at this sure. book later on, just like you were saying about like we read our kids fairy tales all the time that have violence and gore in them oh yeah maybe not gore but well snow white stepmother wanted her heart brought to her in a box so yeah there is gore involved in our fairy tales so after the fact that it happens everybody goes and says well they should have recognized this right but i don't know that i would have to be honest i don't know it is interesting And at this time, despite multiple attempts by his parents, school staff, or medical professionals, all of them seemed at a loss of kind of what to do about it. And I think that's often the case with mental health issues. I bet you this book raised eyebrows to several people, like his teachers or his parents or whoever. But then what are you going to do about it, even if it is raising eyebrows? Right. Well, and the parents didn't even see it, you said. Well, I don't, there's no communication between his parents or the teachers. So I don't know if they saw it, but it it, it doesn't seem like it raised any flags for anybody. Okay. You know that saying, boys will be boys, right? Exactly. Which is not helpful a lot of the time. 
And he's already a weird kind of little kid. Right. Right? So throughout his middle school years, the family and school struggle to meet Adam's increasing mental health issues. It's at this time that Adam's social withdrawal and isolation begin to intensify among his peers. And it's theorized by a psychologist that, again, investigated his history after the shooting and some of his healthcare professionals that had dealt with Adam directly, that while he had coped during younger ages in social settings by using his various coping mechanisms, that at this middle school age, the complexity of social interactions increased and became increasingly difficult for him to deal with. So remember, yeah, he struggled with expressive language. He can't wink. (laughs) (laughs) Can you hold that against a person? (laughs) Please don't. Um, But yeah, he struggled with expressive language. And this is the time where kids are really starting to get social with each other, right? And notice differences among their peers. Oh, and our expressions are Mm -hmm. such a big part of communication. That's because right. especially as he's getting into teenage years, he's not going to understand sarcasm then. Oh, he doesn't at And all. how much of our teenage years is sarcasm? Answer right. between our friends. A lot of it. Yeah. A doctor would later say that he considered it a plausible explanation that early social engagement, which largely focuses on activity. So when you, you have preschoolers, they're just kind of doing things with each other, right? Right. That that made relatively few demands on his social abilities. Okay. Because it's more playing beside each other. That's right. Mm -hmm. But as Adam and his peers moved on to early adolescence and into middle school, the demands of social engagement changed dramatically, leaving Adam feeling more and more isolated and inadequate. Hmm. I can see that. Yeah. So this would continue throughout the rest of Adam's school experiences. He struggled to fit in, to follow the normal social constructs of the other kids. And while there aren't any reports of bullying by the school or or any signs of it. Um, it was apparent that Nancy believed that Adam was fearful to go to school and thought that it might be a contributing factor to his growing anxiety, hmm. which I think makes sense. So at this time, Adam had developed pretty bad anxiety about going to school. So in the mornings, Nancy would have to fight with him to get him to go to school. He was always presenting as having like stomach upset or something was always going on. So he didn't want to go to school. And I think it's not a huge leap for a mother then to assume that there's something going on at school to make her son fearful of going there. That's true. Yeah. And bullying is not that big of a leap from there. I can see why this is the case that the FBI used to study school shootings. Yeah. There's so much in it. And in an official FBI report, they do refer to Adam as being mildly bullied. He's a weird looking kid, socially awkward, and it stands to reason that he would get, you know, teased or at the very least left out. Right. And you know what? To be honest, a lot of kids are probably mildly bullied. Oh, for sure. Right? These are tough years. Yeah. Kids are not nice to each other. No. And the easier the target, the more that you're going to get bullied. And just because there wasn't any physical abuse going on or people weren't like pushing him around in the hallways doesn't mean that he wasn't having a hard time with peers. And I think isolation can be just as detrimental to a psyche. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you're just always left out because you're weird and nobody kind of understands how to interact with you and you don't know how to interact with them, that's just as hard. Yeah. In that study that I was referring to, it did talk about isolation and how that plays a factor. Yeah. Peter Lanza, uh, Adam's dad, reports that it's, it was at this time where Adam became increasingly overwhelmed and had difficulty concentrating and refused to be photographed. So he starts oh. to, yeah, he starts to develop some really weird traits. He experienced anxiety attacks so bad that Nancy had to come to the school and at points he had to be taken to the hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah. His anxiety was so bad. Anxiety is the worst. It is. 
In 2004, a program was developed for him to complete some of his schoolwork off-site or at home and then return at the end of the day for additional help once all the other students had left. Oh, great. So they were trying to work with him. Yeah, that it seems like, like a good compromise. Yeah, it seems like throughout like all of the things that I read about him, both his parents and the school were working really, really hard to try and figure things out. They just actually didn't know what to do. It's just really sad. That's frustrating. Throughout 2005, Adam is seen by numerous doctors for sore throats, difficulty breathing, and marked weight loss. He was moved to a different school to help find an environment that would work for him, but the new school with smaller classroom sizes didn't seem to make Make much of a difference. Hmm. It only lasted eight weeks before he was pulled out by Nancy. Okay. But in those eight weeks, he made quite an impression. During this time, there was a grade seven teacher that noticed some of Adam's writing pieces about battles and destruction and war were particularly disturbing. Just really gruesome in detail. Yeah. The teacher brings them to the attention of her principal and she describes his writing as obsessive and so graphic that it could not be shared in class. Ooh. Yeah. So the teacher goes and she talks to the principal about this writing, but there's no evidence that the teacher explored the writing any further with um, Adam's parents. Okay. So again, there's a, a little, little disconnect. disconnect. Yeah. I found this one interesting because the book of Granny, people just kind of brushed it off as being, oh, this is just like a little kid. But this grade seven teacher notices that, hey, I, I know what other grade seven boys write about. And sure, they write about war and destruction, but this is just kind of a little over the top. A whole nother level. Yeah. Brings it to the attention of the principal, but again, nobody really does anything about it. They don't mm. take it to the parents or anything like that. But somebody's recognizing that, hey, this is not... Some red flags are going up. Yeah. This Especially if norm. you've been teaching the same grade over and over for a while, then you those things would become more noticeable to you. Yeah. And because it wasn't explored any farther than the principal, there was no help given for it. When he was withdrawn from the school, it was said that Adam apparently didn't like the Catholic school. Because he disapproved of religion. Oh. Yep. But he chose to wear his school uniform at home. What? Yeah. He didn't like going to school, but he liked the uniform. So he would not take the uniform off. And they had several of these uniforms that he would just wear every day. That's so weird. He liked the uniform, but didn't like to wear it to school. Or didn't like... He didn't like going to going school. Going to school. But he, but he liked, liked the uniform. The uniform. And this trait is mentioned in several reports that his obsessive compulsive disorder was becoming very apparent in the strict and limited clothing that he would choose to wear. Oh, that makes sense then. Mm -hmm. It being an OCD thing. Yeah. It was also reported at this time that Adam started to refuse to talk on the phone, use email, or engage in outdoor activities. Hmm. So that he was interesting. Yeah. So he really started to limit his social interaction at this time. Right. And that does make sense now with the uniform because it's just a routine thing, right? This is what I wear every day and I don't have to think about it and put clothes together. That's just my uniform. Mm -hmm. On September 11, 2005, Adam meets with a psychiatrist, Dr. Fox. So and dig deep tidbit. Dr. Fox is actually convicted of abusing his patient sexually. Oh my gosh. There's nothing mentioned about Adam. But you never know. You never know. And my mind went to Silver Fox. Silver Fox. <laughs> This is Dr. Fox. Ah, Yeah. Dirtbag. Dirtbag. And this is Adam's main psychiatrist throughout his teenage years. So I can't believe that he wouldn't have been abused then. Nobody knows. It was never. Adam never said. Adam never says. (sighs) So on September 11, 2005, Adam meets with the psychiatrist, Dr. Fox, and Adam is diagnosed with Asperger's at the age of 13. Okay. 
So doesn't that make more sense with all of those other kind of traits that he was having earlier on? And it's sad that it takes 13 years, you know, because his parents knew right from the start that something was off, something wasn't Mm -hmm. functioning the way that it should. So from September 20th of that same year to September 30th, so 10 days, Adam is taken to the hospital for an anxiety episode. And he's actually admitted. Okay. During this hospital admission, he was described as having borderline autism in the past, but is growing out of it. Can you grow out of autism? No. Okay. I didn't no, think so. I was all. like, wait, have I been misinformed this whole time? <laughs> no. And this isn't like, this is like way, way back in the day. Well, it's almost 20 years ago. Oh yeah. Right? I guess it is. <laughs> We're getting old. Just, you know, when you hear like early 2000s, like it doesn't seem that long ago, but yeah, I no. guess that was 20 years ago. It was. And not a lot was understood about autism at that time. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he was described as having borderline autism and I'm not really sure if this was like the doc's interpretation or if this is Nancy's history of Adam. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of her hope that he's getting better, but. Oh, maybe. At the time of his hospital admission, Adam is not sleeping or eating well. His repetitive behaviors are increasing, and he's described by the ER attendant as agitated, hypervigilant, withdrawn, hesitant to be touched, and overwhelmed with fear. Oh, man. It just Poor sounds, kid. Yeah. It sounds devastating. Like learning all of this about him, you can see how this is building up. Yeah. The hospital staff tried to talk Nancy into keeping Adam in the hospital for a lengthier stay and a more extensive evaluation. And actually, they recommended that Adam attend therapeutic education at the Center for Child and Adolescent Treatment Services. And they were actually willing to help expedite the admission process. But Nancy declined because Adam already had an appointment with a psychologist who he's been seeing in the community, so Dr. Fox, and that Hmm. she felt that keeping him in the hospital for further testing was akin to abuse because it upset him so much. Okay. I was wondering why she wouldn't want that. Yeah. In an email to a friend, she describes that he was just so terrified of being in the hospital and she knew taking him home would be able to calm him down. Right. So she was trying to do what she thought was best for him. That's right. So it was recommended that Adam begin medication to help with his symptoms, but he outright refuses to take it. And isn't this like a real struggle with a lot of kids? It is. It's not as easy as it sounds when you no. say, oh, just medicate them. And this is not like a little child that you can hide it in their things or... Right. He's a teenager now and... Can't force them to take it. You can't hold them down, sit on them and force it in their mouth. Right. So he's sent home with a discharge diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome and OCD and is given a note to be excused from school. Nancy had wanted the doctor to say that Adam was unfit to attend school at all, but the doctor felt otherwise and Adam was given a note to miss three days of school. Hmm. From that time until December 2005, Nancy and the school board butt heads over... Over the best learning environment for Adam. She would like him to be able to avoid the stressors of the school environment, and the school district feels that they could collaborate and find a solution that would keep Adam in school. So they're kind of going head to head over. They're going back and forth over it. Yeah. They want Adam in school, which is understandable. Right. Because that's a good environment for a kid that needs to learn social skills to be in. But I can totally understand Nancy's point of view in that if your kid is having anxiety attacks that land them in the hospital for more than a week, then yeah, might want to explore education from home, right? Right. But she never actually decides to homeschool him? Yeah, she does. Oh, she does. Yeah. So that's, she was hoping that when the eMERGE doctor had given him a note, she wanted him to say that he's unfit for school. He cannot attend school. Right. And then she would have the support and the help for homeschool for him. That's right. So then she could go back to the- That makes sense. Then she'd go back to the school board and say, look, 
like a doctor is saying, he can't attend school. It's too much for him. Right. It's just a series of unfortunate events, isn't it? Yeah. In late November, early December, Dr. Fox writes a letter to the public school officials with the diagnosis of Asperger's disorder, saying that Adam has significant social impairment and avoids eye contact, lacks an understanding of how to play or interact with peers, has an overly precise quality of speech, and he recommends or actually says that Adam outright needs a modified curriculum because of his very rigid thought process and lack of abstract thought. Okay, that's a lot. He recommends that attendance at school not be pushed because of the noise and unpredictableness of the school environment. And that's what promotes extreme anxiety in Adam. Okay. So it's going back to that sensory integration that he was originally diagnosed with. Interestingly, this letter to the school board, Dr. Fox does say that he demonstrates intense emotional rage when his systematic world is threatened due to his extreme need for routine. And this is one of the only places that I can find in all of the reports about Adam, and there's lengthy, lengthy reports about him, that there was a concern about rage. Interesting. So not necessarily a concern about violence and that acting out on that violence, but it does say that he demonstrates intense emotional rage. Well, and he's just at that age too where hormones are going to start to, you know, play a factor and you have that rage brewing and you can see where this is going. And I don't know how a teacher makes an environment where his routine can't be disrupted. Remember, this is middle school. So they're switching grades. There's going to be chaos all the time. Yeah. It's not the teacher's fault that way either. No. Adam does begin a home-based education system, so not necessarily full out homeschooling, but that he receives tutoring for both of his parents and 10 hours of educational tutoring and testing a week. Okay. So somebody from the school actually comes to his house and well, does tutoring great. and testing. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like a pretty good system it does. for them to work. And it must have been working because in grade eight, he remains on the honor roll. Oh, good for him. Yeah. So yeah. again... There's no problem with academics. He actually does quite well. His intellect is good. In the summer of 2006, medical records show that Adam's hands were raw from compulsive overwashing and Nancy had sought out a medical consultation for Adam's weight loss. Okay. It's also reported that Adam is having difficulty sleeping. That's kind of a continuous thing throughout his life that he really, really struggles to sleep. He's not eating well. It's a scary progression. Throughout the fall of 2006, Adam continues to receive therapy through Dr. Fox. But through his dad's employee assistance program, he's actually evaluated at Yale Child Study Center. And it's a very extensive study. Oh, wow. Adam's family is actually super wealthy. Oh, like that explains why Nancy has been able to afford to get him all this testing stuff done and the counseling and it's sad that that's not available to everybody all of the time no and this is like a best case scenario because his family can actually afford the medical yeah. treatment that's needed because even in canada with our free health care you still it's not easy to get testing and that kind of stuff done no absolutely and not. if you want it done quickly you do have to pay a lot out of pocket yeah for this kid is the best case scenario that he's actually has the ability to have the testing done yeah like it sounds like he's having as much support as possible mm-hmm. his mom has been advocating for him through the whole entire process yeah so imagine what would have happened if adam and this takes us back to our nurture versus nature like if he had grown up in an abusive household oh where would he be yeah totally non it already ends so tragically absolutely the yale psychiatrist's initial report observed that adam presented as a pale, gaunt, and awkward young adolescent standing rigidly with downcast gaze and declining to shake hands. When given the scenario of being granted three magic wishes, Adam could not think of any, and instead he said that he would wish whatever was granting wishes would not exist. What? 
Well, it's that whole abstract thinking, right? Yeah. Like, you just... Can you imagine though? <laughs> you find a bottle and rub it and a genie pops <laughs> out and you're just like, I wish you would go away. <laughs> it was just too much for him though. Aww. Like even to come up with three things that he would want. That's was really just sad. Where most kids, it's like 300 things well, they want. The list would never end, right? <laughs> when asked, what is a friend? Adam replied, it is difficult to define. In whose culture do you refer so that's a direct quote from the report. What adolescent speaks like that? Yeah. But remember, he's had lots of speech coaching on how to express himself. Right. And is his IQ ever tested? Like, is he I didn't find above any. intelligence? Because sometimes when kids or people have really high IQs and are above intelligence, they do lack that. So I did find some school report cards. Yeah. For some things, he was above intelligence and others, he was just kind of average. Okay. So it wasn't like... okay super gifted kind of thing. Right. Scenario. Okay. That's what yeah. I was more wondering. No. When the psychiatrist said, well, in your culture, he replied, I don't know. When asked whether he would like to have more friends, Adam said no. Okay. He doesn't like that social setting. That's right. It's during this evaluation that a glimpse of Adam and Nancy's home life is given. By this time, his older brother, Ryan, has moved out to attend college, and it's only the two of them living in the house. So this means then that Nancy and her husband had separated yeah. at some point in time. Yeah. Okay. So at home, Adam displayed a variety of rigid, controlling, and avoidant behaviors, including his refusal to open doors for himself because he did not like to touch doorknobs. Okay. And he worries about the contamination of grease or dirt or dust. Adam was reported to be placing limits on his mother's behavior by not allowing her to lean on things because it was improper or like different things like that that he would not allow her to do. So he was spiraling. He was totally spiraling. He had a variety of food rituals as well. And most of that related to texture, which is not uncommon no. for kids on the spectrum, right? Yeah. The Yale team made it clear what they felt that the inability to interact with classmates would prove increasingly difficult to education. They said, we believe it is very important to reframe the discussion with the school from issues of curricular content to much more urgent issues on how to accommodate Adam Lanza's severe social disabilities in a way that would permit him to be around his peers and to progress rather than to regress socially as well as academically. Understandably, Adam Lanza's parents have gone to great lengths to compensate for Adam Lanza's hypersensitivities and social difficulties and aversions by providing a homebound instruction. However, we believe that there is significant risk to Adam Lanza in creating, even with the best intentions, a prosthetic environment which spares him from having to encounter other students or to work to overcome his social difficulties. Having the emphasis on adapting the world to Adam rather than helping him adapt to the world is a recipe for him to be a homebound recluse, unable to attend college or work productively into his 20s. Yikes. Yeah. So they laid it out pretty clear for his parents. And I feel bad for the mom because she's actually trying to do her best here, right? Yeah. And I think it's easy for the people on the outside to be like, this is what you need to do. Oh, everyone always blames the parents. Yeah. Yeah. Or that I don't think this is a big shocker for his parents either. That's why they're trying to get him help. But even when you have a knowledge of, yeah, my kid needs to be in school and he needs to learn to socially interact with each other doesn't necessarily mean you have the skills to actually make that happen. It's true. Right? And that's why they're going to all of these specialists, or in my opinion, that's why you go to all these specialists is for, so that they can give you the skills to help make that happen. But when there's nobody in the home helping you actually drag your kid to school, how do you get them there? Yeah. You can't take a boy in middle school and physically force him there. That's right. 
So actually, Adam would return to the school setting for a short time. Nancy worked really diligently with the school and his school team sounded absolutely wonderful. Okay. They made lots of provisions for him to actually go back into the school setting to the point where he was showing up to school earlier than everybody else. And during the different bells, he would stay in the classroom longer or leave earlier so that he wasn't in the hall when all of the other students were okay. switching classes. So yeah. they were trying to make accommodations for him. There was reports of him actually carrying a briefcase so that when he had to change classes and there were other students in the hall, he would walk along the hall and keep the briefcase between him and the other students so that they couldn't touch him. Oh, that's how so would he hold it up like by his face so he couldn't see them? In front of his just... chest. Oh, okay. That was one of the strategies that I thought was ingenious, but that's not going to make you any friends. No, that's true. Right. So how was that he felt help? protected. He felt way. protected. So right. that was a way to get him kind of one step in the door, right? Yeah. You just have to get him there. Just start somewhere. Yeah. But and I, I am have... surprised that they didn't just leave him at his homeschooling arrangement that they had because that seemed to be working well. It was working well for his academic needs, but it but wasn't doing anything for his social. And so that's what this whole Yale team, that when they work with Adam, they're really pushing that, no, he needs to get out of the house and he actually needs to have some social interaction and that's what's going to make things better. Okay. And so actually for a short time, it does seem to be making things better. He's, he's having some success with this tech club that he was attending. Okay. Uh, he was talking with other students and actually he even posed for a photograph. Wow. Yeah. So which some is, improvements. Which is a huge improvement for him. But then all of a sudden he starts to rapidly deteriorate again. Okay. The Yale team recommends, again, medication, but Adam refuses to take it. It's during this time that Peter, Adam's dad, says that he began to see signs of what he feels were signs of schizophrenia. In a post-shooting interview, Peter shares this theory. He feels that it was missed because health professionals were focused on the Asperger diagnosis. So any of those kind of symptoms that may have been signs that Adam was hearing voices or was having hallucinations. They were chalking it up to the Asperger's. Right. So he feels like it was missed. Mm -hmm. And actually in interviews with the psych nurse at the Yale Center, Adam expressed an interest in schizophrenia symptoms. But when questioned if he was experiencing any of those symptoms, he refused to answer. Oh, so he didn't say no, though. He didn't say no. He just said, I don't want to talk about that. Interesting. So in 2007, Adam creates his first known Wikipedia account. This account would be used a lot in the future to correct details about guns and different mass shooting events. Yay. The fall of 2008 was the last known appointment with Dr. Fox. He deteriorates so rapidly that they actually pull him out of high school. And instead, they put him in some of the Western Connecticut State University courses. Oh, and he's doing those like at home? Yeah. Okay. In November 2008, Adam's parents divorce. But actually, this wasn't much of a change in the lifestyle for Adam. His dad was described as a weekend dad when he did live with them. And actually, they had already been separated for many years. Okay. So it wasn't a huge change to him. Right. At this time, it's noted that Adam communicates with his mom through email, even oh. though they're in the same house. Yeah, it's a little strange, but I can understand it. Like given what you've taught us about Adam so far. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like social interactions. But is that like our kids texting us from different spots of the house? Like, mom, bring me a drink. Yeah, maybe. Because I don't feel like that's weird Like for my kids to text <laughs> me sometimes. Yeah, I guess. Maybe we're making a whole bunch of social interactions. <laughs> Or I'll even sometimes text one of my kids, like, come down for dinner. That's right. <laughs> Rather than hollering. Oh, man. Doesn't it make you think, though? We should not be doing those things. Yeah, maybe not. I'm going to start yelling again oh. instead. Yelling is so much better than texting. <laughs> Mom tips from Christy and <laughs> Melissa. You got it here first. Don't ever follow anything we say. 
Okay. From spring 2009 onward, um, Adam registered multiple online user accounts under different names that he uses to play online games and uses in chat forums. His online footprint shows his views, or at least the ones he posts about himself and society. While some of the comments sound deep and thought-provoking, for the most part, they're actually pretty disturbing. Mm. It would appear that online forums were an outlet for him to express himself without being limited by his social awkwardness. Oh, for sure. Yeah. On the online forums, he could express himself and actually be understood. Yeah, because he can articulate it that way, but just mm-hmm. not through written work. Just not yeah, through that verbal. makes sense. Yeah. But that self that he expresses is a little disturbing. So some of the comments that he made on his online forums, these are interesting. I spent all day ruminating over how much I hate culture. Now I've calmed down and I am left lying on the floor, numbly perplexed over the foreign concept of a loving life. Mm. Here's another one. I hate going through these extremely rare circumstances of wild mood swings that I have. I think this was the only time this year for me. I was as depressed as I get during my last post and I'm fine with the interminable depression that I normally have. But now I am incoherently giddy with glee. Well, relative to my baseline, except now that I'm giddy, I can't say that I hate it because I think everything is delightful. If depressives cut themselves to feel better, I wonder what cutting a happy-go-lucker would do. What? Yeah. Santa's supposed to be jolly. I hope he visits me tonight so I can find out. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Well, just that seems so out of character. It is interesting that his dad thought about that schizophrenia or even that like bipolar. There's also a lot of speculation over Adam's gender identity that really comes out during his online post. Oh. So in an online forum, he posts, I'm pretty confused when it comes to my sexuality. Just laying it out there on the line. Okay. On a form for the Western Connecticut State University under gender, Lanza wrote, I choose not to answer. Okay. But like that can just be a common thing as well. So it's hard to say like what yep. to attribute it that to. It is hard to say. But on January 31st, 2011, Adam made a post that said, I castrated myself when I was 15 to rebel against society. He didn't really, did he? Well, there's no genital self-mutilation noted on any of like okay. his reports, but still... What an odd thing to say. Yeah, especially for most guys. I mean, maybe I shouldn't go there. (laughs) They want to proclaim the opposite. Yeah. Right? That's not your typical thing that a guy would want to brag about. It does show his confusion over his sexuality, for sure. Yeah. And then in a report by the Office of the Child Advocate, it was noted that Adam crafted an undated and lengthy essay, which he identified as a college admission application essay, outlining a position that pedophilia should not be considered abhorrent or illegal. Oh, my. Yes, it should, Adam. Yes, it should. (laughs) Though Adam stated that the length limit for this essay was 500 words, his essay was... 34 pages long. <gasps> Whoa. He had some strong feelings about this. It's just interesting, right? You don't even know. Was he just shy about such questions being asked? Like that one of, I don't want to answer that he was yeah. he shy or was he actually uncertain about his gender? Yeah. Hard to say. There were also a whole bunch of posts about anorexic um, comments about wanting to be so light. He wouldn't leave footprints in the snow and like how beautiful huh. being skinny was. So he had some really interesting chats online. The craziest things come out during his online comments. And some of the craziest are about his feelings on civilization or society in itself. Right. Well, he already said he doesn't like culture. That's right. 
So these are some of his posts about civilization. When mental illness reaches the final point, this, and referring to a school shooting, happens. No. Yes. So he's talking about it before. Uh-huh. Psychology has proven, so this is another one, psychology has proven that people who do these things are mentally sick and not thinking 100% properly. So is he trying to give himself an excuse ahead of time? I don't. These are comments that he's making on a like school shooter website. So he's discussing it with other online people about why school shootings happen. Yeah, that's crazy. So he's thinking about it. Like he's really starting to think about school shootings and wait till you hear what they found afterwards. Oh no. Yeah. This is one other comment. People who kill have many reasons and motivations. They are motivated by perverse urges, which can overcome them. They are sick in the head. That is for sure. But they are not evil. It's just eerie that he's written these things right before he does this. And you can see his mental health issues coming through with the things that he's saying. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things that he did online was he played a lot of online games. And one of them was a first-person shooting game called Combat Arms, a game where you win by competing for the most kills in the shortest time frame. Okay. With a special bonus kill for suicide to up the total in the last seconds of play. Oh, yeah, it was a weird game. It appeared like his online interactions were generally positive ones for Adam. He was liked and fit in and showed none of his social anxieties or struggles that he had when meeting people face to face. Okay. So it was really a world that he kind of just fell into. So he spent a lot of time online. Well, that's a common thing, right? Mm -hmm. Even today, like right now. Yeah, absolutely. In April 2010, Adam expressed his interest in enlisting in the army. The whole family were gun enthusiasts. It was one of the few activities that Adam would take part in. Okay. Nancy and Adam were particularly avid shooters and gun collectors. They would go to the shooting range together, and Nancy gave Adam several very heavy-duty guns, and she herself had quite the collection. Okay, so he has ready access then to firearms. All the guns, though, they were legally purchased and registered to Nancy because Adam was too young to actually own guns legally in that state. Yeah. Their gun collection included assault weapons with high-capacity magazines. Wow. Adam's interest to enlist in the military are rebuffed by his parents. They express their concern about Adam being able to handle this kind of career. For sure. Yeah. This kid can't even handle changing classrooms during high school because the halls are too crowded and noisy. Yeah, and how is he going to do in that military-type setting? Probably not well. The routine of it maybe would be good, but... Well, you can't walk around with a briefcase, can you? No. Exactly. And if they are in your face about certain things, you can't recoil like that. No. So it's just not the right career path for him. No. And his parents obviously recognize it and say, mm, this isn't for you, bud. Right. And he takes it pretty hard. In hindsight, like kind of thank goodness that he didn't get into the military. Yeah. Interestingly, though, there's a lot of school shooters that they have military aspirations and most of the time, they're rejected. So either they're dissuaded from going into the military or they're actually rejected when they apply. Right. Because that makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. That fascination, right? Yeah. So one of the things that his parents cite is that he's never been athletic. And in fact, quite the opposite with his stiff lumbering gait. Remember that that's what the Yale doctor said, is that he had a lumbering gait. All right. So he's not going to be the guy that's vaulting himself over that great big wall. In no. basic training. No, and it sounds like he has an eating disorder. Yeah. You know, so he probably doesn't have a lot of strength either, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
So he's never officially diagnosed with an eating disorder. Oh, okay. But that's what reports after say. And so many of the things about Adam, you learn after the fact. Always. Yeah. Yeah. We always learn after the fact with any of our people that we talk about. It's so clear after the fact. Adam's aspiration to become a Marine may have been Adam's attempt to become everything that he was not. Or maybe it was just a straight up delusion, right? Going back to to that schizophrenia thought. Yeah. I don't know. He was just deluded into thinking he was actually capable of that. That makes sense. When his parents turned down his idea of going into the military, he was floundering. And both of his parents were worried about how is this guy going to cope in the real world? And they send several emails back and forth between the two of them trying to figure this out. In the summer of 2010, Adam has an argument with his dad over his upcoming courses at college. And the argument mainly is based over Adam wants to take a whole bunch of courses and his dad says, "Mm, why don't we just try a couple? Right. And Adam is kind of ticked off with this and so ticked off that he would actually never just speak to his father again, despite multiple attempts by his dad. Really? Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. It's an overreaction. That's an extreme reaction. So not even when Peter remarries in 2011, does Adam ever acknowledge him again? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I've said much worse to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, they're all still talking to me. Oh. So Adam seems to spiral downhill very fast after this, pulling more and more away from human interaction and leading mostly online life. In June 2012, Adam cut off contact with one of his friends that he had played Dance Dance Revolution with. And this is like one of the only friends or physical contacts that he had left with somebody else. Other and than now his he's mom. cut that off. And he cuts it off. I thought it was kind of funny, though, that one of his beloved pastimes was to go to the local arcade and play for hours on end Dance Dance Revolution. That is a weird little fact. And to the point where the theater attendant would actually have to unplug the game. Because Adam really? wouldn't, yeah, Adam wouldn't respond to him when he asked him, like, oh, we're closing. That's interesting. Super obsessive. Yeah. And I wonder what it was about the game. There's a lot of noise and stimulation in it. So here's a guy yeah. that can't walk down the halls of a high school, but yeah. can handle the lights and the sound from Dance Dance Revolution. Maybe it was like an outlet like where he could be expressive through Who dance. Knows? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So on November 15th, 2012, emails between parents expressed concerns over Adam's increasing reclusiveness. Nancy was concerned about him and said that he hadn't gone anywhere in three months and would only communicate to her by email. Yeah, that's red flag. Yeah. A little email back and forth, not too bad. But if he will only communicate that way, that's digressing quickly. She never expressed any fear that she was like actually afraid of Adam. But sounds like she's talking more and more to friends about kind of what's going on, but not saying I'm actually afraid of him. Right. But just that this is getting more and more extreme. Yeah. And definitely with her emails with Peter, she's telling him, like, this is not good. Something is going on. During Hurricane Sandy that happened in 2012, Adam refused to leave the house and go to a hotel because of the disruption to his routine. So even during a hurricane, he would not leave his room. So they both just stayed there. Yeah. Nancy didn't feel comfortable leaving him. No, you couldn't leave your childhood. December 1st, 2012, Nancy reports Adam sustained a head injury at 6.30 in the morning and in a text to a friend described the wound as bloody, bloody, bloody. Does she know how he got it? It doesn't ever say. Just that this kind of random head injury happens. Oh, which is a bad sign when you throw a head injury in the mix. Yep. It must not have been as serious as she thought though because there's no medical intervention that occurs for it. Like there's no ER reports. And she actually doesn't change her travel plans a couple of days later. 
So maybe it was worse than she thought. You know, head wounds always bleed a little bit more than normal, but definitely there's documented that he had a head injury on December 10th, which is just four days before the shooting occurs. Oh. December 11th, Nancy leaves Adam at home to go on a two-night trip to New Hampshire. There are conflicting reports that Nancy was beginning to try and separate herself from Adam and start to have a life of her own. Or if Nancy had been trying to find a new place for her and Adam to live, something that he would not have been very happy about. Right. So she visited several different cities and was considering buying a motorhome so that Adam wouldn't have to be subjected to staying in a hotel during the move. So these are all things that she's doing at this time, but it's actually causing her to leave the house quite a bit. Okay. December 11th, 2012, Adam writes an email to an undisclosed person about his feelings on mass murderers. And on December 13th, 2012, the GPS in Adam's vehicle shows that he drives around Sandy Hook School between 9.09 and 9.32 in the morning. So he's driving around the outside of this elementary school. He's basically casing out the joint. Yeah. It would later be found out that Adam visited the school's website on numerous occasions and studied the school's security procedures. Ah, Adam. Yeah. Sometime during the evening of December 13th, an unclassified FBI report stated that someone had called in to the police to say that her son had been playing with somebody online on Black Ops, and a friend told her son to watch the news tomorrow. <gasps> so oh, there's, no. there's really no kind of question on whether this was premeditated. He didn't just snap at the last Oh, minute. no, absolutely. No. If he's driving around there and checking it on the website, making comments. That's right. Now that we've covered Adam's history, I do think that we need to take a break and kind of just regroup before we get into the actual shooting. There's a lot of victims and it's a lot to cover and a lot to take in. Okay, sounds good. I'm feeling like I could use a little bit of breather. It's been a lot talking about Adam already. But don't worry, listeners, we won't make you wait. If you want to hear it right away, you can just go ahead and click on part two. If you need to take a break like we do, then go ahead and do that as well. But thank you for listening. actually recording Uh sorry about that (laughs) my bad the first take was so much better you just missed it all (laughs) (laughs) is that a poor taste joke i don't know spell where he stopped bleeding he had this spell where he dropped (laughs) he did he drop or stop bleeding (laughs) this is hard to do when the kids are home so much harder. When do they go back to school? Maybe you don't want them to go back to school, <laughs> though, after this one. Yeah. Okay. And this You do is... you, Adam. Yeah. No, don't do you, actually, no. Adam. Don't. Change. Change it up. <laughs> delete. Delete. Delete comment. At that... a second. <laughs> At that time, he's not sleeping. I just want to throw that out there. That's Christy yawns. <laughs> it's not because what you said was boring. Christy gives me a complex every time. He eye contact. I was better before. What color is it? (laughs) Hold on. I need a purple section. That pedophilia. How do you say that word, Christy? Pedophilia. Even without all my mistakes, it's still interesting. (laughs) Hey, we're live, pal. And we'd love for you to come check out our podcast, Tales from the Estate. 
Each week, we talk about our top five favorite somethings. My beautiful wife, Caitlin, likes to share all sorts of random facts. Yeah. Did you know that cows have accents? We did now. But we also review all sorts of snacks and other great things. And so if you love everything random, I think you'd enjoy Tales from the Estate. So come check us out. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.